Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning and welcome to Friday's Opinion Line. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on this Friday of the June Bank Holiday Weekend. Coming up on today's show, the research that suggests two in five of us are thinking about quitting our jobs. Is that tr- true for you? Well, I'll be speaking to a leading HR expert about that. With the promise of a long weekend ahead of us, what will the weather bring? I'll be chatting to Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather and getting his analysis, plus the parents' WhatsApp group. Do you and the other mums and dads at your kids' school have one and how much do you really need it? Journalist and columnist Jen Hogan joins me after 11 to chat about that. And we can't forget that on Monday we can finally get back to outdoor dining. And with that in mind, let's give a big shout out to as many Cork businesses this morning as we can. I want to know, do you have a booking? Where are you heading to on Bank Holiday Monday? Is it a pub or restaurant in the city? Or are you headed for somewhere across our beautiful county? Please get in touch with us on that or any of the issues across the show. You could text or watch WhatsApp 0833969696. Now, before all of that, um, and before we get into the first call this morning, I want to read a statement from the CUH. And it's appealing to us all to only go to the emergency department at the hospital if it is an emergency. And this is the statement that was released yesterday evening. The emergency department at CUH is exceptionally busy and some patients are regrettably experiencing long delays. The pressure on the emergency department has been exacerbated by the continued impact of the recent cyber attack on the HSE. Professor Connor DC, emergency medicine consultant at CUH, asked that members of the public only attend the emergency department in emergency situations. He also asked people to consider other care options such as their GP, pharmacists or local injury unit before presenting at the emergency department where long delays are unfortunately inevitable. Now we have asked for Professor Connor DC to come on the show this morning but understandably he's extremely busy so we just wanted to read that out for you just so it's something to bear in mind over the weekend if you are feeling unwell or if something happens. Please go to your GP, pharmacist or local injury 
unit before presenting at the emergency department only go to the emergency department if it's an emergency situation Right, now we're going to get to our first call this morning and with the weekend almost here um, there's a big focus on the large gatherings that we witnessed last weekend in the city and county and concerns that we're about to go into another weekend and see similar scenes and I wanted to catch up with Dr John Sheehan this morning and get his take on this. John, good morning to you. Morning, Fiona. John, uh, we saw lots of crowds gathered in certain areas around the city and county last weekend. And if the weather is uh, favourable this weekend, we're expecting to see similar crowds. What's your own view on this? Are you concerned? I'm a little bit concerned, but I certainly don't want to demonise younger people because they've had a really, really tough year. And as someone said to me, where are they meant to go? Um, everything was closed, pubs, restaurants and things like that, you know, so their, mm. their, their options are very, very limited. So certainly I don't think this is sort of waving a stick at, at people. It's really just to say to be sensible because, as you said, Fiona, we're nearly there. On Monday, things are going to open up further, so people choices in terms of where they go, if they want to have a drink and something to eat or something. All of these places, restaurants and things are going to be open and beer gardens and things like that. So the choice and the spread of people will increase an awful lot from next week on. So this is sort of the last weekend, really, of um, extreme sort of lockdown where our choices are very limited. And it's just to be sensible. You know, if you're going out, stay out. Being outside is way better than being indoors, being in groups. The difficulty is, of course, after a few drinks, everyone gets very friendly, everyone starts hugging, everyone starts moving from group to group, and that's where the, the, the risk happens. So if you could just you know, if people could just be sensible as one last weekend in it, you know, be outside, enjoy the sunshine, try to stick to your, your, your groups, try to, you know, observe the hand washing and just, you know, the sensible precautions of hand sanitizing and distancing and things like that. And, you know, just, just take a sensible approach. And I would take it exactly the same, for instance, if we had a lovely weekend and people were going to the beach, we'd issue warnings about swimming and the dangers and mm. things like that. And this is exactly in the same sort of um, sort of context because people have been really, really good. Um, you're seeing the numbers creep up a lot in Limerick, unfortunately. Mm. Um, they think it's related to more people con- congregating. Thankfully, we're not seeing that replicated in hospital admissions and in ICU admissions because of the vaccine rollout. So that's continuing a pace of 250,000 a week. So another week or two will make a huge difference. We're nearly there. And we will be speaking to somebody from Live 95 in a couple of minutes about the situation in Limerick. And John, just what are the risks involved with large crowds? Because a lot of people say if people are outside gathering, you know, is the risk of transmission a lot lower? And are we okay? Like we've been told to have an outdoor summer. Absolutely. Outside is actually possibly the best place you can be because the virus doesn't circulate as much, it doesn't stay around as much, um, it doesn't tend to spread. So if you you have to choose between inside and outside, outside is absolutely the way to go. The difficulty, Fiona, really is large groups gathering. Now, if you see the pictures, and, you know, to be fair to people, people were very good. You know, they were sitting in their own little groups and Mm. things like that, and they were just enjoying the sunshine. So... Um, you know, people were very good. The difficulty, of course, is after a few drinks, people's guard starts to go down. They start congregating in larger groups. They start mixing more with each other. And that's really the fear. So if people are spread out, if they're in their own little group, if they're doing their thing, I think that's absolutely fine. I, the, the, the danger is, and we saw it in the, the pictures, particularly from Dublin last weekend, 
where people were sort of jammed in together. And that's really the, the concern. I, 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 I think our people have been fantastic. And can a, a situation like that become a super spreader event where you have large groups of people all gathered into the one area? They certainly can, and we have very strong data, particularly from America, where a lot of these events happened uh, in the last year, and they had huge outbreaks as a result of it, the spring break sort of gatherings that they had in the States and things like that. So they had huge um, um, consequences where people got them, and then also people bought them home, you know, and spread them among their families. So that's really the concern. And the other concern is the Indian variant, because it's 50% more transmissible. So the UK variant goes from 2, 4, 8, 16. The Indian variant goes, you know, 3, 9, 27, 81. So suddenly it takes off much, much easier. Um, and that's the concern that if you have a super spreader event, those numbers will go up an awful lot. And then, um, you know, we're, we have a fourth wave. You mentioned earlier about the uh, pubs and restaurants having outdoor dining come Monday. Um, do you think that it would have been better if the opening date for pubs and restaurants had been moved to today, maybe ahead of the bank holiday weekend, so that people could meet up with their friends in a controlled environment? I certainly could see the logic of it. Um, I suppose, to be fair, when you're doing these roadmaps, you have to give people notice and you have to give people fairly definite dates. And if you start moving the dates around, it's probably very hard on business in terms of their staff and planning and things like that. So to suddenly sort of give a few days notice that you're changing it, I think wouldn't be, um, um, you know, uh, fair. So I think they have a roadmap and the roadmap is, has worked fairly well. Um, and I think, you know, that's a reasonable way to go. We've only another two, two days, three days before uh, they open up again. People might argue, John, that, uh, you know, the vaccination programme is rolling out and that, you know, a lot of the vulnerable people in society now, a lot of the elderly relatives have already been vaccinated. So, you know, they'd question why they couldn't gather now. Yeah, and I think it's a reasonable question. And realistically, um, you know, we have vaccinated more, the, uh, you know, the over 70s, the vulnerable people, it's rolling out. The difficulty with this virus, though, Fiona, is we can't predict who is going to get very unwell with it. So we've mm. had young people really, really unwell and we've had older people who've had a bad cold with it. So it's very unpredictable. And the other problem with it, and particularly for young people, is a, a, a significant percentage of them will get long COVID, which is a very unpleasant uh, illness where they're just chronically fatigued for months and months and months and, and really can't do anything. And that happens in young people as well as older people. So you get someone who's fit and running 10K every day and suddenly they're, they, you know, they can barely walk to the shop and that seems to be persisting. And we don't know who's going to get that and that seems to happen more in younger people. I know a lot of people give out about the Irish government and Neffet's approach to this whole <clears throat> pandemic and, and the easing of restrictions. But I suppose when you look across the water and see how the UK is becoming more cautious around things like international travel and only yesterday they added Portugal to their amber list, are we right to continue on a softly, softly approach? I think we are. Um we all remember Christmas in January, and January really was the hardest month of all of this, this COVID since the whole thing began. So I think by doing it softly, you see the two-week gap, so you can see the effect of opening up uh, and what happens in terms of, of, of numbers. So that allows us, and in terms of Europe, we're actually doing very, very well in terms of vaccine rollout, in terms of cases and things like that. So I think by doing it slowly you do see the consequences of the action. You do see the behaviour of the people, and people have been very, very good at following these guidelines. And then you can see whether you need to change it. Um, Mike Ryan from the WHO, when all this began, 
he made a very sort of wise, you know, comments. He said, no one's going to get this perfectly right, but you have to act and you have to do things and you have to respond. But if you think you're going to get the perfect response to it, you're, you're just not. So, John, what's your appeal to the people of Cork ahead of the weekend as we go into the weekend? My appeal is enjoy the sunshine, go out, get some exercise. And we have so many beautiful parts of the city. If you're meeting your friends, meet them outdoors. Try not to have too many people with each other. If you're having a few drinks, try and keep up your guard. Be sensible and um, we're nearly there. And next week, things open up further again. Let's hope we get the weather. <laughs> yeah, we will absolutely. be discussing the weather later on with uh, Carlo Weatherman, Alan O'Reilly. So let's hope yeah. he has some good news for us as well. Yeah. Um, and John, finally, do you see a bright summer ahead for us here in Cork? You mentioned that we're doing really well in Cork. Do you think that, there, that there's some positive news for Cork ahead? Oh, I really do. I think, you know, there's a really sense the clock is on the up, but also that we have done, you know, well in terms of managing this illness. So, you know, there's a pent-up energy, there's a pent-up excitement among people, you know, to get out to doing things, to going to concerts, to going to matches, to see Cork hurlers win. You know, there's all that pent-up energy. And there's also that pent-up energy for seeing people, because when you see people for the first time physically in months, you know, it's quite emotional for people. So, you know, hopefully all of those things will happen this summer. Brilliant, Jonathan. Thanks so much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. And I know that I'm very excited about getting out again and having some outdoor dining. So uh, just if anybody is booking somewhere for Monday or if they are going out, please get in touch with us on 0833 96 96 96. Let us know where you're going, uh, what you're looking forward to on Bank Holiday Monday. Coming up after the break, we'll be going live to Limerick where the high number of COVID cases has health officials concerned. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Race through your afternoon in Cork with all your favourite tunes from the biggest names. Hello, I'm Luz Capaldi. This is Dua Lipa. Hi, this is Ollie from Years and Years. I'm giving you incredible prizes absolutely amazing thank you so much so if you're at work working from the kitchen table I'm listening to you on Alexa or picking up the kids on the school run make sure you're with me thank you very much loving the show thank you let me show you what it's all about Simon Murdoch midday to 4pm with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie on Cork's 96FM. Now, you'll have heard on our bulletins this morning that health officials are becoming increasingly concerned about the COVID situation in Limerick. The CMO and the Minister for Health are due to meet local politicians today and we thought it would be good to get an update on the situation in our neighbouring county. Gillian Devlin is Head of News at our sister station Live 95 in Limerick and she joins me now. Gillian, good morning. Morning, Fiona. Gillian, what is the situation in Limerick? What's happening today? Well, there will be this crisis meeting between senior public health officials and public representatives later this morning. And there's a lot of, I suppose, anticipation and fear around that and what it's going to mean. People have been talking about a local lockdown here for the last week, really. But we've been told uh, we're not looking at that at this stage yet. 
but the numbers have continued to climb and they are frighteningly high now. 411 is the incidence rate per 100,000 population and uh, as we're hearing, that's, that hasn't been heard in any county since mm. early February when the entire country was in a, a state of lockdown. And Gillian, do they have any idea where these numbers are coming from, where all of these confirmed cases are coming from? Are they from social gatherings? Are they from workplaces? It's a bit of a mix. There's definitely workplaces being uh, identified. There are 50 different various outbreaks across um, workplaces that they were examining across the Midwest, and most of those were in the Limerick area. But Indoor gatherings are a huge factor. I knew, know that like the whole country was looking at what happened in various cities last weekend mm. with the good weather and people out drinking. We didn't see a huge amount of that in Limerick. There is a bit of it in small pockets in areas, but there weren't huge complaints about that. Uh, because the fact is, is the indoor gatherings are actually more dangerous. And what we're hearing about is that things like birthday parties are causing a problem. You know, there might mm. be a huge number of people attending these birthday parties, but it's tough. And it's triggering uh, outbreaks and spreads uh, and causing a real problem, helping those numbers to climb every day. We were um, highlighting there at the start of the show the the large gatherings, as you mentioned, because we did have them here in Cork. Are there warnings like that going out in Limerick ahead of the bank holiday weekend? There are warnings, but interestingly, the council have said that they won't be shutting down any particular areas of the city to, to prevent them this weekend, but they will be monitoring and they'll be liaising with the Gardaí. The chief superintendent here in Limerick, uh, Jared Roach, has issued a statement as well where he, he's more or less said, you know, it's not up to the guards to make sure mm. it doesn't happen. But Well, obviously they've been monitoring it, that this is about personal responsibility and that if people see a large group of people, they need to turn around and walk away, that people aren't supposed to, you know, I suppose some people would arrange to meet a, a friend maybe for a walk along the river go for coffee, maybe for a pint, take away pint mm. um, in those areas, but if they arrive and they see there's a huge number of people there then they, they need to change their plans And how worried are the public? Like, are you get, are you guys in Live 95 getting calls from the public and are they expressing concern? Some are, but not maybe as many as should be expressing yeah. concern. We are hearing, I, I think it's parents that are concerned because a number of schools have closed in Limerick as a result of outbreaks as well. Um, and they tend to, to contact us because I think parents um, get very concerned when uh, children are, are, are affected by it and schools and education is affected. But uh, obviously parents as well are, are leaving cert students. They're leaving cert is next week. Yeah. And, you know, that, that will be a real fear for students that the, if there is any decision taken whereby maybe they can't sit their exams that they've been studying for for such a long time and there's been so many changes for those leaving cert students, even changes announced yesterday in terms of the data, the results, that they will, you know, they'll want everything to go ahead as planned. We're, we're also hearing that the, the Chief Medical Officer has, is making himself available for interview on our radio station specifically, which I don't recall hap- having happened at any point in time no. during this pandemic. So, uh, you know, when they ring up and say, we'd like to talk to you, you know things are very, very serious. And he wants to get a message directly to the people of Limerick to be very careful. And, you know, bank holiday weekends, always a dangerous time. Families tend to gather. So Tony Hulahan will be on Live 95 later on this morning then, yeah? That is the plan. Mm, wow. And Gillian, the numbers are high, but um, is there increased pressure on the main hospitals in Limerick? 
At the moment, the hospital figures aren't as worrying as they were in the past. Um, but, the, you know, the vaccination centre is a big project for the UL Hospitals Group. They're coordinating the move. They're moving mm-hmm. next week, next Tuesday. Um, we've been in the Radisson Hotel, which you know, a lot of people pointed out and were annoyed about it. It's actually in County Clare. It's just over the border of Limerick and that's where all our major vaccinations have been taking place. It's called the Limerick Vaccination Centre in County Clare. In County Clare. Um, <laughs> yeah, but obviously it's a hotel and, you know, hotels reopened and, uh, you know, they want their business to resume. So the vaccinations will now move to Patrickswell, the Limerick Racecourse, which is a good thing because... The, it has greater capacity. It's you know also used to dealing with huge crowds and parking facilities, all that kind of thing. And which a lot, obviously a lot of the vaccination centres will have. I suppose capacity will depend on whether the supply of vaccines are there. Mm. But they should be able to to vaccinate more people um, when that that opens on Tuesday. And that's been coordinated by the hospitals. They're under a lot of pressure to make that move by next Tuesday and have that up and running. And Gillian, finally, what's the timeline for today as you know it? When is the meeting and when do you expect to hear the outcome? I, I can't actually tell you that at this point. Mm. Um, I do know that it's likely to be later on today. It's not the, not this morning. Um, we don't have an exact time of when it's, it's happening, but um, uh, Tony Hulhan is due on with us around... 11 o'clock unless unless they're planning to meet this morning mm. before that and then he's going on to tell us what's happening but you know it, it is interesting that they're, they're trying to pour cold water on the uh, option of a local lockdown but I think you know if if the figures continue to go in the direction that they're going in um, and if this weekend is anything like last weekend mm. there's no way that they'll be able to avoid that possibility um, in the medium term. It may not happen in the short term but uh, the, the warning is definitely for this bank holiday weekend that people can't be having those um, uh, social gatherings. Brilliant Gillian and thanks so much for joining us this morning. That's Gillian Devlin, Head of News at our sister station Live 95 in Limerick and we'll keep you posted on the situation in Limerick across our news bulletins across the day. Now coming up after the break, are you considering quitting your job? According to latest research it's something two in five of us are looking at and that's next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back, Fiona Corker, and in for PJ Coogan this morning. Now, are you happy in your job? Well, it seems many of us are considering quitting our current roles. A report commissioned by Microsoft found that 40% of people are considering handing in their resignation. Quiva Burke is an HR specialist from Burke Consulting HR and joins me now. Quiva, good morning. Good morning, Fiona. How are you today? I'm very well. I'm very well. 40% of people considering handing in their notice. It seems like a lot. Uh, Why is this? Why is there so many people considering handing in their notice? You know what? With this particular survey, you know, it's it's a really, it's an accurate reflection of what's happening globally. But but the issues aren't new. And and I think there's, there's a number of reasons why people are looking to hand in their notice. I think that, you know, the, the, 
the pressures that are being put on people as a result of COVID and how we've leaned so um, strongly into technology mean that, it, you know, in one way, the connectivity that we are used to getting in the work setting isn't there. But, you know, this burnout is a real thing. It just people are um, being pushed to the max, I think, personally and professionally. And it's, it's just causing them to reevaluate. And why are we experiencing this burnout now? Is it because we're just never switched off on our phones? But you know what, I think the burnout issue has been here for some time, but I think COVID has just brought it that bit more to the to the forefront. And and yeah, like as in when are we ever without mm. a phone in our hand or, or by our side? And so is it is it something that's across the board? Is it a certain age group that are considering this? You know what, I think it is across the board. I think, you know, Gen Z in particular were the cohort that they were particularly focused on in this survey. And mm. if you think about Gen Z, they're, they're true digital natives, right? Their life has come, been completely shaped and commandeered by technology. But if you if you think with Gen Z, like they're that age, like 18 to 24 year olds um, group that are joining, joining the workforce brand new right and Mm. it should be a really fun and engaging time for them but they're they're forced into the situation currently where they're where they're doing it kind of alone right and and i Mm. do think that organizations are making strides to connect with them and bring them into the fold but they're they're missing out on i guess so much of that relationship building at a really pivotal time in their career but I suppose the the hope is that we'll all be getting back to the office later on this year. So um, are they, like, rather than considering that, that they will be coming back into the workplace later on the year, like, why why just give up your job? Yeah, you know what? It's a good question. And I think a lot of it has to do with maybe the interaction that they're potentially having. Like, it's, it's one thing when you're a bit more experienced and you're sat there on your various conference calls, as it is currently, and you're, you know, you're, you're comfortable to participate and contribute. And I guess the Gen Z's maybe aren't feeling that quite as much. Like, they're maybe not as willing to put up their hand because they're feeling a bit more cautious about how their words might be judged. And, uh, and I think it's incumbent, really, on organisations to be aware of that, be aware of that potential nervous, uh, nervousness that they could be experiencing and, and and bringing them a bit more along on the journey. And I think for them, finding uh, meaning and value in their work is incredibly important. So if they're not feeling it and they're feeling a bit like left on the sideline, they're probably thinking, oh God, like what am I doing here? Is mm. this the right move for me? And that's what's causing them to kind of reevaluate. So if they're looking for more meaning now from their job, and more satisfaction. Is this something that employers are going to be able to give them? Um, I think so. I think it's, um, you know, there's so many wonderful organisations out there. It's incredibly, incredibly difficult to attract good talent. And and what it takes really, it just takes a bit of strategy and engagement insofar as keeping people connected and bringing them along, letting them know that there are career advancement opportunities. Like, look, meaning is a very personal thing and, you know, to, to have meaning is going to be a little bit different to everybody. But if people understand the value of what they're doing, they have, you know, constant communication with their um, managers. Um, they, 
I, I really think that will make the absolute world a difference. And I think mm-hmm. certainly getting people back into the office in what I truly believe will be a hybrid work model um, will do the world of good both for the employees and the organisations as we move forward. You mentioned the Gen Z um, workers, but what about people who are that little bit older and have families? Are they looking at life a little bit differently now after the lockdown and are they reassessing how they work? Oh, absolutely. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think Gen Z's, millennials, I think, uh, you know, baby boomers, I think people genuinely want to have, um, feel meaning in their role and they want to have a positive impact, but, but they don't want to sell their soul, right? Like, they mm. want to spend time with their families and friends, um, and at the same time be motivated and engaged in the jobs that they do, but, but finding that balance can absolutely be tricky. It's tricky for everybody. What about Gen X? <laughs> <laughs> Gen X. Gen X. Gen X are a bit more, uh, I guess, uh, centred and focused, I would maybe, maybe say. Like, they're, they're very clear on um, where they're at, I would think, professionally, certainly mm. um, with the people that I work with. Um, but yeah, like, as in COVID forced people back into the family unit. And I think people are like, wow, there's a lot here that I've maybe missed out on. And is it worth spending one and a half, two hours a day commuting to get to and from work when I could be, you know, with the people that mean the most in the world to me. So, yeah, absolutely. I think people are in a stage of re-evaluation. And so those 40% of people who uh, replied and said they're considering handing in their notice, are they handing in their notice to just not work or are they looking for some a, a different type of a job that's going to give them more time at home or give them more meaning in their life? Yeah, you know what, I like I, I think so possibly. I also think like let's say, for example, you are living in Dublin but you want to relocate home from for to Kerry and you want to work in a job in Cork. In theory you can totally do that now, right? Yeah. So I think these there's a whole world of opportunities that have now opened up to people that maybe they didn't they didn't see working in a pre COVID environment, but with the advances teams have made and um, leaning into technology uh, they're like okay this could this could actually work so uh, yeah I think um, not only are organizations able to draw on talent around the country and outside of the country but people can also avail of opportunities outside of their let's say immediate city and and globally if they want to and they're in particular sectors right like cer- certain sectors being more um easily into those kind mm. of opportunities. Creva, a listener has been in touch with the opinion line on Corks 96 FM there and she says that um, Creva is pinning it on re- working remotely but there's more to it than that. With time off over the last year people had time to do serious re-evaluation plus anyone in a low paid job on furlough used time to retrain and do something more meaningful job wise. Is that what you're seeing? Oh, I think it's a complete, I totally agree with that text. Mm. I think, yes, there's a big focus on remote working currently, but at the same time, I think there's a huge push um, for people to um, upskill and reskill and people had time to do things they, they didn't have time to do in the past. So, no, I would I would totally agree with that statement. And is it just a case of um, looking now for, you know, I suppose years ago when we were coming out of college, we were, you know, getting a job that uh, clicked the, you know, the criteria of, yeah, okay, I'm after doing science or whatever. So I'm looking for a science job, but it's not Mm -hmm. about that anymore, is it? It's all about trying to make more of an impact in either on the world or in your workplace or in your personal life. And I suppose because we're working so much, you can kind of see the sense in that. 
Oh, absolutely. Like people, like as in you spend more time with your job in many regards than you do with your family. So of course, if you're if you're committing that much time uh, to an organization, to a business, yeah, like you want to know that the impact that you're having, that is positive. And I think, you know, a key thing that's um, maybe been missing, and I think an, an awful lot of organizations are focusing on is actually demonstrating to people how they're having that impact and also how they can continue to advance their career within the business. Like if you're sat there and you're having no engagement with the management and leadership around you, you're going to feel flat. But I think I think that people are pushing leaders and mm. businesses more to get that meaning back from them and and for them to show them how they can contribute and what they can do to both elevate themselves in their career but also assist the business. And finally, Quiva, what advice would you have for our listeners who are sat there this morning and thinking, I'm in that 40%? Should they have a plan? I think they should have a plan, but I would also say for the 40% that are thinking, look, I want to throw in the towel. If you've already made up your mind, I would highly encourage you to have a discussion with your immediate manager because what have you got to lose? I would Mm. say if that you go and you have that discussion and say, look, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. I would say most of them would be first shocked. And secondly, they will go out of their way in the majority of instances to help you find it is what you're looking for or to at least give you that guidance and direction. So if you're thinking about throwing in the towel, it's worth the chat. Brilliant. 100%. Brilliant. Quiva, listen, thanks so much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. That's Quiva Burke from Burke Consulting HR. Next we have, um, we're going to be speaking to Adrian Weckler. He's a tech editor from the Irish Independent. And we're talking to him about scam calls. Now, if you're a regular listener to this show, you'll know that there's been a surge in people receiving scam calls and texts in recent months. And it's a story that's being followed closely by Adrian Weckler. And he joins me now on the line. Adrian, good morning. Hello, have we got Adrian? Yes, good yes, morning. Yes, good morning, Adrian. How are you? Um, Adrian, you've written a great piece in the Indo with some handy tips for people to help pr- to protect themselves. And I am going to get to that a little bit later. But can you just remind us of the kind of scams that are currently doing the rounds? Yeah, sure. Um, by now, most of your listeners will have received one or other of the scam calls that are rampant at the moment. Some of them pretend to be from the Department of Social protection. Some of them mm. depend uh, pretend to be from the Attorney General. Um, you have fake 083 numbers, fake uh, calls from Macedonia, from other countries. And um, there's just a huge surge in it at the moment for a number of reasons. Um, partially because of the HSC ransomware attack, not the data involved in that, but because low-level gangs know that people fear and suspect that their personal information is floating around out there. So now is the time they think that they might be gullible if the scammer rings them up and says, we actually have that information. Um, So you better play ball with us because uh, if you don't, terrible things uh, might happen. Mm. You mentioned in your article Flubot. What is that? Flubot is a largely text messaging scam where it pretends to be from a courier company and you have a delivery mm. that's on hold or you have to pay a, a fee uh, to, to get it. And if you tap on the link, it gets into your phone. Now, it's important to say it only really affects Android phones. It doesn't affect iPhone. So you might get it to your iPhone. You might see it come in in your text message in your iPhone. But if you tap on the link, it won't do the same damage. On an Android phone like a Samsung, Huawei, whatever the brand, um, it will get into your contacts. It will get into your the basic system 
and it will do a couple of things. It'll, it'll, it may spread the virus or it may sit on your phone and try to get into much more sensitive details uh, on your phone. And Adrian, we know that during lockdown, a lot of us have um, increased our online shopping. So DPD and Nonpost and any courier like that has obviously been really busy. And they do send out a text message to let you know that your parcel is arriving. So, you know, for people, uh, this, this, I think that one in particular is it's really hard to detect for people. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a clever kind of manipulation. Mm. We've seen actually a few of those during the pandemic. Uh, ones pretend to be from on post uh, as well and uh, because we're because we have all moved so much to online shopping and online uh, delivery so um the the advice here is really uh, with this particular one the flu bot just try not to tap on links that you see in text messages sometimes it's hard because we all get texts from friends and mates mm-hmm. oh did you see this or or look look at look at this uh, uh this thing and we will usually feel safe tapping on something there. But if you could just hold off from doing that for a few weeks until the wave subsides, you'd be safer. So even if you get um, a link from a friend via text message or WhatsApp, just don't open it. That would be my overall advice. Now, it just it's a little bit more nuanced than that. If it's from an actual friend, you're probably okay, unless it's suspicious text, because you could be propagating on uh, sort of a chain spam a text message that's been sent to your phone. The problem here where it really gets bad is a, a process called smishing. We, <laughs> this is, I'm going to get slightly technical now. We, you've, heard of, you've heard of phishing. That's when yeah. you get a dodgy email and you click on the link. There's another thing called smishing, and that's basically SMS phishing, and that's your text messages. So, And that's what we're talking about here with the flu button. Now, the problem with that is it can get into conversations that you might already have been having with your own contacts. It's unlikely to be a friend or a mate, but it it, it very, very often is a banking conversation. It's very common for your bank to send you notifications about something or, for example, verification. You've tried to access your online banking. Uh, This is your two-factor, that's the jargon, this is your two-factor text message to make sure it's you. They can get into those text message conversation that's called smishing and that's why the advice is not to click on links and adrian you've got some other um helpful suggestions for people one of those is helpful apps can you just talk us through some of those please yeah there are some free apps you can download for both the iphone and android smartphones and they will uh, use known databases of known scammers and known fraud numbers uh the example i used is truecaller uh, it's free within app purchase and for both the iPhone and Android. And uh, it basically uses, um, you know, tens of millions of known scam numbers to immediately uh, block or maybe mute calls and texts coming in. Now, it, you know, it's not completely bulletproof because um, the fraudsters will spoof or they'll pretend to be other numbers that aren't on the database, but it's a good start. Um, another another tip is to use your phone's own settings, whether it's an iPhone or an Android phone. You can actually uh, go into the settings on the iPhone, for example, if you go to phone, and then there's a setting called silence unknown callers. Now, all that really does is it sends calls that you don't have in your contacts or that you haven't called yourself from your phone into voicemail. It's not perfect, but it means that you won't be caught in the moment you know, in the headline, in mm. the headlights by a scammer. Android phones have a similar uh, uh, feature. If you go into settings there, there's a, a, um, 
a function called caller ID and spam. And if you turn that on, then you um, uh, it, it performs the same purpose. Brilliant, Adrian. Listen, thanks so much for all of that advice. Adrian Weckler of the Irish Independent there. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back to Friday's Opinion Line. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan today. Now, normally on the Sunday of the June Bank holiday weekend, we'd have thousands of runners and spectators in the city for the Cork City Marathon. This year, due to COVID restrictions, it's taking place virtually with people doing their own runs in their own area. And among those taking part are the Sanctuary Runners. And Graeme Clifford, uh, good morning to you. Graeme Graeme Clifford, good morning. Morning, Fiona. How are you? <laughs> Graham, I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you? I, I'm excellent. Raring to go this weekend. <laughs> Great to hear it. Graham. just for people who don't know, what, what are the, who are the Sanctuary Runners? What is it? So we set it up in January 2018, Fiona, as you know, having uh, run with us and reported <laughs> on us in the past. Um, and basically, it was uh, I came up with the idea, really, to enable... Irish people to run alongside and in solidarity with those living in direct provision. And mm. um, I suppose to uh, enable people to uh, kind of build a bridge between those inside the gates and outside the gates to the, you know, for uh, both um, asylum seekers and refugees, but also for the wider Irish community as well. And it's a group that has grown from strength to strength and not even just here in Cork, but all over the world. Yeah, it's. I suppose the concept is really simple, Fiona, you know, that you put on a blue sanctuary on our top, the words solidarity, friendship and respect are on our top. It's not about charity, it's about solidarity. And uh, people can kind of grasp that concept. I think the thing, Fiona, was that, you know, if you wanted to have a normal, natural chat with somebody who's in direct provision or somebody in direct, direct provision with somebody living in, in the wider Irish community. There wasn't really a way of doing it. You know, you couldn't rock up and ring the doorbell. And it was all a bit unnatural, um, whereas this uh, enables people to get to know each other as people. So all those labels, you know, refugee, asylum seeker, resident, citizen, they disappear once you put on the blue top and you're just mm. who you are. And Gray, what are you doing for the marathon this year? So what's the Sanctuary Runners doing? Uh, sorry, I, I didn't answer your question correctly there the last time. In terms of the growth, yeah, we're in 28 places across Ireland. And also for the marathon, we have 1,700 people who've signed up Fantastic. as sanctuary runners Fantastic. to jog or run or walk. They are in 28 countries across the world. So our very first runner tomorrow or Sunday morning will be Hirohiko Katayama in Tokyo. And then we have people also uh, running in groups in China, New Zealand, Australia, the United Arab Emirates, Zimbabwe, South Africa, all across Europe, the UK, of course, all across Ireland. And then also in Brazil, uh, Boston, New York, up in Canada, and then all the way over in Las Vegas and San San Francisco as well. And so what we're doing is all these people will be running virtually. They've all got their blue tops. 
uh, which we've which we've sent to everybody. Um, I'm kind of relieved that that's all done <laughs> because I spent the last few weeks packing envelopes and sending stuff off. So, and then you're always worried that things won't arrive. But it looks yeah. like everybody's got their tops. And uh, we'll be doing it and then sharing the pictures and videos and so on, Fiona, as a kind of a blue wave of that solidarity and stuff. And we're very proud that it started in Cork and that Cork is the home of it uh, because we kind of feel it's something which is really positive. You know, we're not political. We're not campaigny. We're just focused on humanity and on decency. And, and I think it's great that it started here and we can push it out to the rest of the world as well. And Graham, one of those people who are taking part in the marathon um, f- as part of the Sanctuary Runners is Boosie and she's on the line there. Good morning, Boosie. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. What kind of training have you been doing for the marathon? Um, well, I, I did 10 miles and on Tuesday I did 10 kilometres but I was hoping to do a leg on Sunday and I can't wait. Fantastic. Have you done the Cork City Marathon before? Yes, I did the half. Oh, brilliant. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did the half. And when did you join Sanctuary Runners? I joined Sanctuary Runners in 2018 and it it came as a great, great uh, opportunity for me to realise how much interest I had in running and it brought so much smiles on people, the, the enthusiasm and the motivation to go out, meet people, share cultures, share food and everything else. Um, yeah. So. And how important yeah. is it to you? How important is Sanctuary Runners to you now? It's, it's very important to me because I got to meet with the Irish, the Irish community and people from the other communities as well outside of Ireland who live in Ireland. And also, um, I guess I, I, I never knew much about the benefits of running mm-hmm. until I joined the Sanctuary Runners. And also the friendship that I've created from the Sanctuary Runner members. And Boosie, when you joined Sanctuary Runners, I believe you were in direct provision, but you've recently left, have you? Yes, I have left. Brilliant. And how's yeah. life now? Good. Um, um, it, it feels great to be in the community. Mm. So, and because direct provision is a place that I would never ever wish anyone to live there. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're studying now as well, is that right? Yes, I am. Um, in my second year, I'm doing international development and food policy. Fantastic. Well, Boosie, listen, best of luck with your studies and best of luck with your run as well. And Graham, it's stories like Boosie's that are just so important to hear and it highlights how important Sanctuary Runners has become for people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Boosie is um, um, such a great advocate for it. She she sounds so careful on the radio. This girl is mad. This girl (laughs) runs half marathons to beat the band and is full of energy. I met her yesterday. Her hair is now blue. And oh I'm thinking God, of doing the same myself, maybe for Sunday. But no, I mean, she, yes, exactly, Fiona. When we met Boosie first, she had said herself, she was quite quiet. She was unsure about how to interact with Irish people. And therefore, you know, that can be very isolating. Mm. So because there was a channel through which uh, Boosie and others could kind of uh, build up trust, relax, be themselves... That then enables Boosie, you know, for example, she, you know, as she said, gone on to, to study and she's doing really well. She'll be a fantastic member of Irish society. We will be 
so fortunate to have people like Boosie contributing um, and, and contributing with knowledge of, of, of things that we don't know about. You know, we think yeah. we do, but often we don't. True, true lived experience. So, um, and, and no, I'm, I mean, you know, Boosie, you know, the, the questions, and I would have done it as a reporter in the past myself, Fiona, the questions are how has this benefited you mm. as to the person in direct provision? Well, what I find is people like me and the other Irish people who run in Cork and elsewhere, mm. it's benefited us as much, if not more, because we're learning about ourselves, the society we want to build, challenging ourselves and asking important questions. You can go through life quite blinkered and think everything's grand, but sometimes you have to ask yourself difficult questions and come up with the answers. And once you do, you're a bigger, stronger person and uh, everybody benefits. Um, and it's fun. You know, sometimes... Sometimes the whole area of integration and immigration and so on can be overwhelming for people mm. and quite stressful to know how, where do you land on it all. At the end of the day, people are people and people are sound. And Graham, like I, as you said there earlier, I have had a couple of um, runnings with the uh, Sanctuary Runners. I, I went out with you guys in uh, Crosshaven last year and a couple of runs in Ballincollig yeah. Regional Park. Yeah. And there was that, you know, I think running when you're out by yourself, it can be quite, a, you know, a, a, a strain for some people. And, you know, when you're doing it with a group like that, there was so much fun and the conversations that people were having. And it didn't matter who you were or where you came from. There was just crack being had with everyone wasn't there? Oh totally, totally actually that run in Crosshaven Fiona was probably the last that we, we probably did before we went into lockdown so I, yeah. I have very special memories of that was a great day it but was. no you're right I mean sharing sharing that, that that moment with somebody that positive moment and then banking that moment and when you're having a difficult day kind of pulling it out I think it's very important and it, you know you don't people sometimes go well I don't know what to say what, what would I say to somebody from Sudan mm. or Eritrea or, or Afghanistan, what would I say? When you're running, you can focus on the running, getting from A to B, the huffing, the puffing, the, uh, the shared silences, the shoulder-to-shoulder stuff. And so you don't need to know what to say. You know, it'll come naturally. And I think that's what we're learning. And I think that's very empowering for everybody. And obviously it's brilliant that you can have a virtual event this year, but I'd say you can't mm. wait to get everyone back on the start line in person next year. Yeah, I mean, we we have kind of uh, started pod running again, but we're being additionally careful because of the fact that a lot of the guys would be living in congregated settings and so mm. on and, and all of that. Uh, but it's, as you said, this is really good and we're so delighted with the support of Cork City Council and the marathon organisers. But you're 100% right. The buzz of being on the streets of Cork is just incredible. The most we've ever had in a marathon before was 400, mm. which was two, year, two years ago. So we're hoping now that next year, please God, when everything comes back uh, on track and, and people are, are safe, that we can see similar numbers to what we're getting here virtually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mirrored on the ground. How fun would that be? And we'll have, uh, you know, street parties after and all the rest uh, to, to celebrate life and celebrate humanity. There's so much doom and gloom mm. and uh, people need life 
uh, at the end of the tunnel. And, and that's kind of what we're colloquially kind of calling, you know, this from the, the light at the end of the Jack Lynch tunnel, you know. So, uh, so no, no, it's all, it's all good. And hopefully I'll be joining you next year as well. I just need to get yes. back into the swing of things. I kind of fell out of it this year. Uh, and like yeah. <laughs> I know it's hard to get back into it. And can I bring Boosie back in there, Graham? Just Boosie, for yourself, um, you know, I was saying there that I have fallen out of running, but for yourself now, what kind of preparations do you have to do over the next few days? Will you be out doing short runs or are you just going to rest before the big day? Um, I'm going to do a short run today and I'm going to rest tomorrow for the big day. Lovely. And when you say a short run now, do you mean like two kilometres or are you talking? Five kilometres. Five kilometres. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Listen, guys, best of luck with it on Sunday and thanks very much for talking to us here on the Opinion Line this morning. Stay with us. We'll be back after this. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. It's Cork's biggest breakfast cash giveaway. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Cork's 96 FM. Answer 10 questions. To claim all that cash. Oh, oh, oh my God. The winner, there you go, go. A two-grand minute with Clona vitamin-enriched milk packed with vitamin D. Cork's Clona Dairy, bringing a little sunshine to our lives. Casey and Ross in the morning. I actually don't believe it. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back. Fiona Corcoran here for PJ Today. Now, I am going to be speaking to Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather in a minute. But first, I want to bring you news of Cork's 96FM's exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, and it's back. We're streaming the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars with Harvey Dorman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. Listen on our app or go to 96fm.ie It won't be great to get back to festivals again. Now, um, uh, yes, we're going to be speaking now to Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Alan, good morning. Good morning, Fiona. Well, Alan, are we in for a good bank holiday weekend? <laughs> Overall, it's looking pretty good. It's, it's not going to be clear blue skies and 20 degrees, but it's not going to be too bad. So okay. there will be a bit of cloud around um, obviously today and tomorrow could be a bit of drizzle and kind of a misty start for those early risers tomorrow but it will improve through the day and sunny spells will develop and it should hold mainly dry for the south of the country from the afternoon and it will be will brighten up. Sunday then looks a better day and some, some sunny spells, some, some good sunny spells and a small chance of a shower but I think it'll pretty much hold dry for most areas. Now it'll be probably 17 maybe degrees 18 degrees um, so it's, it's going to be pleasant the light mm. winds are going to be light enough and Bank Holiday Monday a bit similar maybe a little bit um, more in the way of cloud but some good sunny spells and just a small chance of a shower so pretty much a good weekend for getting out and about at least and trying to make some plans And Alan where will, where will the best of the weather be in the country? The sunny southeast will probably see the best of it. Um, so the east coast rather than the west coast, if you're thinking of heading for a coastline away from the south, um, it'll probably be the, the, the east that will see most of it. We'll have some 
some weather fronts trying to push up against the west. Um, so there's a risk of some more showers in the west. But don't think it'll be too bad really there either. It's just there'll be mm. more cloud, I suppose, rather than rain in the west. And I suppose what everyone's going to be really focusing on is Bank Holiday Monday because, of course, we have restaurants and bars reopening and we'll be able to dine outside. We've all been really looking forward to that. So what kind of a, a day is Monday going to be? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, As I say, it'll be sunny spells. It won't be clear blue skies, but sunny spells. And it should hold mainly dry for most of the areas. A small chance of a passing shower, but uh, very little really in the way of rainfall. So I think generally it's going to be a good day for people in the the outdoor areas. Um, I think most areas will hold dry. It'll be mild, I wouldn't say warm. But uh, generally, yeah, pretty pretty present day and, and thankfully nothing like the wind and the rain that we had a while ago. So it's, it is certainly going to be more outdoory kind of weather. Great to hear. So we won't need the raincoat, but maybe a cardigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in the in the evenings, maybe. Mm. So if, if, if you're heading out, I suppose, and maybe in the evening times, it will it, temperatures will drop. So you know, you will you will want the jumper. So I'm not sure it's going to be uh, shorts and t-shirts for for the beer garden for the evening time, but uh, the jumper should be enough. Okay, brilliant. And Alan, um, here in the south coast, I think we always um, expect to have better weather down here than they do up on the northern half of the country. But they seem to have had a lot better weather recently than us with temperatures heading towards 20 degrees what's causing that? Yeah so we, we had a, a, a cold front move through and it moved slowly through so that's why it was it was 20 degrees in Malin Hedge yesterday and 10 degrees at Valencia so you had a double the temperature in the north as it was in the south but that was just as the air mass moved through so generally you would see better temperatures uh, in the south, it was just as a cold front moved through, really, it was kind of pushing against another weather system that was holding back in the north. Um, now, thankfully, that has pretty much moved through, and it does look like the Azores High could be coming towards us next week. Right. And and the south coast would be really in, in the firing line then for the best of the weather and and, and possibly even the best of the temperatures, um, if it depends on the wind direction. Because it does depend on the wind direction a lot, because obviously when you're near the coast, you get the breeze off the colder water. Um, it does make things that little bit cooler. But the general outlook is looking very good at the moment for, for next week and next weekend, especially a little bit uncertain on the details yet. But as we go through the week next week, we could be getting up above 20 degrees and maybe even into the mid-20s. Alan, we haven't had the best May and the June hasn't been great yet either. Like, Can we look forward to a good summer, do you think? Or can you tell that far ahead? Yeah, so we, we had a very cold and wet May. Um that Azores high coming it is a good sign. I, I think we will see some showers next week. It's not going to be clear blue skies or anything like that, but it is going to be much more settled than what we've seen and temperatures increasing. And if the Azores high does build over us for the end of next week, then we could be talking about a real good spell of weather. Now, how long that lasts is a little bit uncertain, but it's far better to see the Azores high coming and trying to see will it hold on. Mm than looking at weather systems and storms coming across the Atlantic. So it's very hard to know really beyond 10 days, but the trends at the moment do look like a good kind of first half of June at least, um, and maybe even pushing into the, the rest of the month, but that is a little bit uncertain. Brilliant. Finally, Alan, you were tweeting yesterday about a partial solar eclipse at some stage next week. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that's next Thursday. Um, so we have a part. Well, it's a full solar eclipse um, in the northern hemisphere, uh, as far north as um, Newfoundland in Canada. But in Ireland, it will be a partial solar eclipse. So it, it will partially obscure the sun at eleven o'clock, uh, roughly um, next Thursday. Eleven o eight, it'll be pretty much at its peak. 
Um, now it it it'll kind of be maybe about a top third of the of the sun will be obscured in an eclipse. So if you if you're into the astronomers and that will be certainly looking forward to it, we do hope that we will get some some breaks in the clouds to be able to see it. But I do have to warn straight away if you want it, do not look at the sun because it's you know mm. over seventy percent of the sun is still going to be there. So if you look up, you'll damage your eyes. But okay. if you have um, you can if you look online how to view solar eclipse, you'll find loads of little tricks and ways to make a little bit of a hole in a piece of paper and a cardboard. Or, you know, if you have um, solar filters and things like that. So mm. uh, hopefully, if we get some clear skies, it will be interesting to uh, for observers to see it. So um, it's getting the clear skies is important then, really, isn't it? It is. It is, especially when it's only partial. Because yeah. um, if I remember from my childhood, a full eclipse, and I remember actually being sitting on a roof doing roofing, and it, it became dark all of a sudden. That's not what you're going to see here. It'll be partial. But okay. still, if we get a clear sky, um, I'm sure people will get amazing photos when they have the, the right solar filters and all that set up. But don't look at the sun. Brilliant, Alan. Listen, thanks so much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM this morning. And a bit of positivity there on the weather front. Fairly all right weekend. And it looks like it's going to be a nice June ahead. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Now, uh, more of us are going back to work and working less from home and more in the office. And people, a lot of people have been uh, either got dogs during the lockdown or had dogs just before the lockdown and have been spending uh, a lot more time at home with their dog. And we're just wondering here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM, what kind of an impact is that going to have on dogs when the pet owners go back to work and go back to the office? And I'm joined now by dog behaviourist Nancy Creedon and dog owner Ali. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> um, Ali, can I start with you? You're um, the owner of dog Karen Barkenter. I love the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds mad, doesn't it? Yeah, she's named after Karen Carpenter because my favourite <laughs> singer is Karen Carpenter and my Karen Barkenter likes to sing as well, but not <laughs> as in tune as the famous Karen Carpenter. Um, now, strictly speaking, I got her. I got her in December 2019. But, you know, um, so we had two and a half months of freedom before Mm. we were locked down and before I began working from home. And with the best will in the world, you know, I did some training with her, you know, walked her and everything. But and, you know, um, you know, when, you know, between kind of like January, February, she was in doggy daycare a couple of days a week. Mm -hmm. She was being socialized. She was great. There was, you know, if I did leave her at home for half an hour when I was out, there was no issue you know, there was no anxiety or anything like that. She wasn't here in the house part or anything like that. Yeah. And then, actually, since then, as things have evolved, and I'm home more <laughs> all yeah. the time, and she's home with me, literally glued to my side. <laughs> she's so cute, Fiona. She actually dragged her bed over to my work desk, and now she sits <sighs> beside me in her bed while I'm working. It's, oh, my I'm God. Sorry. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, I'm just, like, obsessed with her. Anyway, um, and... Um, um, but now when I leave the house, if I leave for half an hour or an hour, I notice that there's 
and like you know there's there there's issues with eating things or pulling mm. things off shelves and biting into things and stuff and um I've done everything you know I've done everything I can and to try and avoid it but I think for people like me who were responsible dog owners and you know um tried our best there were a good few months there you know especially this year where we literally couldn't go anywhere so mm. it was just us and our dogs at home so um you know I'm fortunate enough that I'll be able to work from home a bit when we're allowed back in the office. So I'll have a couple of days at home, a couple of days in the office. So when I'm not here, I will put her into doggy daycare. Yeah. Um, and that that and that'll be grand. She's a really good dog, but I think just by just because of the timing of what happens and everything, and because of her age, she has developed a little bit of social anxiety. Um, but I mean, it was the best thing ever to happen. Um, yes. to get her just before lockdown because I mean she's just the I'm, best little I'm dog sure ever. she's <laughs> just been great company for you as well when you were working from home and Nancy Creedon is this something that you're hearing a lot of that you know people have dogs and now that they're going back that the dogs are ex- are showing symptoms of anxiety so much so and it, and it really is heartbreaking because um, like with Karen it, getting the dog during lockdown she then becomes the centre focus of what is a global pandemic in that household is now a joyful experience because we've got this new dog with mm. so much time to bond together and for that dog as well like how lucky is she because she's come into her home where her owner's completely committed to making sure she has the best life and so on and then just life happens this happens all the time I constantly see on Facebook or on social media that there's no such thing as a bad dog just a bad dog owner and mm. like, that is not true so many dogs come to me, whether it's they've got separation anxiety or other behaviour problems, and they've got amazing owners. So I hate that phrase so much. There's yeah. nothing there that, that they've done wrong. It's just life has happened. And because of what's happening now, we're coming out of lockdown. But unfortunately, that means for a dog, they're going into lockdown. So for the last year, year and a half, they've been out for plenty of walks. They've had loads of company. And now all of a sudden it is happening where their owners are going back to work or are able to go out for meals and so on. And the dogs are being left alone for the first time. So it is something that I think every single pet dog owner right now should be considering. Is this something that's impacting my dog? And what I tell people to do, like we've been doing over the last few few months, is to have a Zoom call. So what I want people to do is to set up their laptop in the house and set up their phone on Zoom and ring their laptop and leave the house and observe what does the dog do. Because with the laptop, you should be able to angle it that you can keep an eye on your dog's face and see what they're doing. And if you're leaving the house and the dog is showing signs of anxiety, such as pacing, whining, chewing, um, barking, drooling, those kind of behaviours, mm then we know we do have a problem. Now, Karen may be a teenager and she may be being cheeky if it's, if it's mainly chewing and destroying things, but we won't know until we get the footage. So it's really important for every dog owner now to say, hang on a second, my dog has given me so much over the last few months. Let me make sure that I'm giving them the best life possible. Get that Zoom call going and check out what your dog does do when you leave. And if there's a problem there, the sooner we address it, the easier it's going to be for the owners and for the dog. And Nancy, Ali spoke there about putting Karen into doggy daycare for a couple of days a week. Like, is that a good idea? Yeah, so obviously as the owner of Creedence Dog Care, I'm going to recommend <laughs> doggy daycare. And we, we've just been so, so busy with so many new dogs joining us. Um, and they're very different dogs. They're mm. very different dogs to pre-lockdown. 
They're a lot more intense. There's a lot more anxiety there. We have a much higher non-pass rate because we're very strict that if the dog isn't suitable and the dog doesn't like it, we say to the owners, look, we could take your money and bring your dog in, but mm-hmm. your dog's not happy here. It, 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 they're best off maybe perhaps getting training or seeing one of our behaviour teams. But what we're seeing is dogs that are absolutely obsessed with playing or absolutely petrified by being away from their owners. So um, back in the day, pre-lockdown, we'd probably at least 60-70% of the dogs would come in and just be quote-unquote normal dogs. Uh, nowadays, that's rare. It's rare for us to have a dog that come in that doesn't have any um, COVID impacts, let's call it. Yeah, and Ali, um, the idea there of doing a Zoom call with Karen, is that something that you've considered or is it something that you would consider doing? No, but it sounds amazing. It's a case of you hang up. No, you hang up. Pet owners now that I kind of, I'm kind of obsessed with her anyway. So I'm just going to get more. It's like, hang on a second now, lads. Um, while we're having our outdoor dinner, I just need to check on the dog, and they're all going to be looking at me going, right. But I'll get over that soon enough. That'd be grand. But yeah, she doesn't now. When I leave the house, I usually leave her with a toy or kind of one of those licky blankets yokes, and yeah. or you know um you know some sort of snack that she needs to figure out how to access it and stuff and she's grand and but like by the time then I but then yesterday for example I ran to the cash machine and I was gone 10 minutes and and and, and when I came home like she had pulled something out of the recycling do you know what I mean but like if I leave her with a toy that she needs to figure out I could leave her for an hour and a half and she'd be grand not a bother on her Okay, well, the good news there is it definitely does sound a lot more along the line of mum's not here, party, 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 if she's going into recycling and so on. Usually if it's anxiety, it'll be more kind of chewing by door frames, um, chewing like the tables, because chewing kind of intense hard items releases dopamine and calms dogs down. So when you see puppies and dogs chewing on hard items, a lot of the time it's because they're feeling upset and they're trying to comfort themselves. Whereas going into the recycling means that I know nobody's watching me. I can get into that leftover ham and have a good lick of that plastic container. <laughs> so by doing the Zoom call, uh, and if you see that he's being a little bit more opportunistic about the op- about what's going on, then it will be a good bit of peace of mind for yourself as well. Um, because okay. usually with anxiety, you'll kind of see the stress levels increase the longer you're away. Whereas with boredom, it's a little bit of a tantrum than looking for something cheeky to do to keep myself entertained. But you're doing the right thing completely by leaving her with the mental stimulation toys. And that's, that's a great thing to do. And again, working her brain, giving her that 10 minutes to figure out the toy will usually help to tire her out a little bit more. And Nancy, Chris from Kinsale has been in touch with us here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. And they say that our dog has been by our side day after day for the past 50 months. Prior to lockdown, he was used to going to doggy daycare or in-home boarding with a family when we went on a holiday. We're now so worried that he won't settle when he next has to spend time away from us, particularly at night if we go away for a little holiday. When we go out now, just for an hour or so, he whines so much, almost like he's crying. We have filmed him and he sits in the window for the whole time just looking out, waiting for us. That's just so heartbreaking. Nancy, have you got advice for people? Like, is there something that they can do to prepare dogs before they go back? back to work. A million percent. And I love this. A lot of the time you'll see advice online and so on saying, oh, just get your dog used to it. Five minutes, 10 Mm. minutes, 15 minutes. That doesn't work. That's five minutes of stress, 10 minutes of stress, 15 minutes of stress, stress. I do the opposite. I set them up what I call a spa zone. Okay. So what you do is you find a nice quiet area in the house that your dog doesn't go to that often, but that's quite a chilled out area anyway. So it could be spare bedroom, utility room, maybe conservatory, something like that. 
And what we do is we start conditioning the dog to associate going into that room with feeling, oh my God, this is just a relaxation suite in the world top spa. So you can use uh, canine relaxation music, which you can find for free on YouTube. There's a brilliant plug-in. Um, it's it releases essential oils called Pet Remedy. That works for people and for dogs. And so you'd plug that in that room, you'd get a nice thick blanket, and what you'd start off doing is you'd go into that room with your dog, you'd play the music, you'd give them their nice cosy bed, nice gentle petting, like a nice massage, and giving them something to chew. So again, you're releasing that dopamine, um, and what you do initially is for the first three or four sessions, you're in there with the dog. And they're starting to learn that when I come into this room, I get into my bed, I have my chew, and I just get into a deep sleep. And then after maybe repetition four, five, six, you're slowly starting to leave the room once they settle down, sit outside the room, still talk to them, then you know you're there, but they can then go for their snooze. And then what's going to happen after 10 or 11 exercises, which can be done in the space of four or five days, your dog is now learning that when I go into this room, I'm chilled, I'm relaxed, everything's wonderful, and I go for a nice sleep. And then when you do start to leave the house, your dog is going into their little spa zone, they're having their music, they're having their plug-in, they're having their chew, and they now know that when I'm in this room, mum or dad, my family is just on the other side of the door, I don't need to worry, good things will happen, um, and then the, my owners will come back. So setting up the spa zone really is the way to go. And if you don't have space, it could even be a dog craze. If you go onto YouTube and look up Nancy Creighton dog crate training, I've got a really good step-by-step video that people can follow with crate training. But again, you do the same thing, cosy crate, cosy um, bed in it, a blanket over the crate, um, chewy item, all that stuff. And then the dog is going to learn that when I'm in that area, good things are going to happen and I don't need to stress. Ali, Karen will want to take a Zoom call from you. <laughs> she have two children in her spa. <laughs> Nancy, thank you so much for all of the advice, Ali. I hope you found that advice useful. And for all our listeners, Chris and Kinsale as well, I hope you get some um, tips there from that conversation that we had with Nancy. We'll be back after the break. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Cork's 96FM's Be Kind to Your Mind with GP, author and wellness expert, Dr. Mark Rowe. Organisations that really embrace the idea of well-being for their people are the best places to work on a long-term basis, but they also value well-being because really well-being, in terms of well-being, actions speak louder than words. So I think if you're a leader, it's about listening to your people, getting everybody's input, getting people on board, asking people what they want. It's really about valuing, recognizing and rewarding your people as your organization's greatest asset, focusing on people's strengths and supporting, encouraging and empowering people to bring their best selves to work and creating a safe place and space where people can be their best selves. Helping you through COVID. Helping you through COVID. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back to Friday's Opinion Line. Fiona Corcoran in here for PJ Coogan this morning. Now, a Save St. Vincent Secondary School is a newly formed group of parents and students who want St. Vincent's on the north side to remain a single-sex all-girls school. The parents are against any potential amalgamation with other schools in the area. Mairead Hickey is one of those parents and she joins me now. Mairead, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Can you tell us why the group was formed, Mairead? Well, we formed the group to express our concern 
and our desire to protect St. Vincent's and keep it as an all-girls campus. Mm. And why is that? Why, what are your concerns and why do you want to keep it as is? Because the school is, offers a fabulous service to the girls of the north side of Cork City. Um, it has an amazing ASD unit that has 24 students in it at the moment. They do fantastic work with the girls. And we want to protect parents' choice to send their children to an all-girls secondary school if that's what they desire to do. Obviously, at this stage, it's just um, in, it's just at the exploratory stage. Nothing has just been decided yet. So are you hoping now that by speaking out that your voices will be heard? Yes, that's what we're hoping for, because once the trusts make a decision, it's impossible to reverse it. OK, and you held a vigil outside the school this week, is that right? We did. We did. Parents, staff and local representatives stood together to display what the school means to us in the community, to the parents, how much it means to the girls. How many students are at the school? Uh, I'm not sure of the total number. of. My daughter is in the Lear, so I know there's 24 ASD students and approximately 200 mainstream. Okay, and your daughter, she's in Lear, you said. How is she getting on there? Fantastic. When Eilish would have transitioned from primary to secondary, we didn't actually think she'd last the year. And the support she's gotten inside in St. Vincent's, she's happy. She has friends. She is achieving fantastic results academically. And they've turned her into an absolutely beautiful, confident woman that she deserves to be. And her challenges shouldn't have to hold her back. And what? so do you think that if the schools are amalgamated then that she might uh, regress a little bit or that, she, you know, do you think that, are, are you concerned for her, her herself? I am hugely concerned for Eilish and I know for friends of hers, their educational reports state that they have to be in an all-girl environment. Okay. They're socially vulnerable girls that could be easily coerced into very dangerous situations that they wouldn't have the social skills to protect themselves from. So they need to be in a protected all-girls environment, which St. Vincent's offers. It is the biggest unit in Cork for ASD girls. And you had your first vigil this week. Um, Are you planning for more now or what's going to be happening? We will. There is further action being planned for during the summer. Um, We have a a Zoom meeting planned for later on in the week to discuss further what action we're going to take. But we can't, we can't let this happen quietly. The way it was phrased by the trustees, is it's just a bit of a survey and there's no danger, but this is the start of an amalgamation process. And what's, the thing is, it's not a fair process either. There's four schools in the, that area of the mm. city and one has been excluded from the process. Okay. So if if it's a view to look at the view of, you know, the future of Catholic education, all schools should have been included in it, not just three DESH schools. And um, as we said on what you've said there as well, it is only at the exploratory stage at this stage. So it is something that we will be following here over the next few months. You might keep us informed on what's happening with that. And um, I, I believe that you're heading off to get vaccinated there, are you? I am. <laughs> I'm in the car on the way to be vaccinated right now. Fantastic. Well, best of luck with that. And thanks very much for joining us on the show, Mairead, this morning. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
1850 715 996. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Welcome back to the final hour of today's Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan. Now, coming up, I'm going to be speaking to Jen Hogan. She's a journalist, columnist with the Irish Times, and we're going to be discussing parents' WhatsApp groups. But first, we've just had, um, uh, uh, we've just been contacted there by the Blarney GAA Healthy Club. They were the recent winners of the Lord Mayor's Award, and they have a big weekend planned of community activities. They raised €17,000 last year for local charities so well done to them and best of luck um, with that guys. Now um, WhatsApp groups have become a huge part of the way many of us communicate with friends, family and work colleagues and for many of us parents the school WhatsApp group is one of the busiest. Jen Hogan good morning. Good morning Fiona how are you? I'm very well and very well. Are you finding that Jen? Are you finding that the parents WhatsApp group is just one of the busiest WhatsApp groups that you have on your phone? absolute busiest without a doubt it is constant ding 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 <laughs> ding ding all day every day and, and, and I know I know it is like this source of loads of information and it's really helpful when you or when your little fella or little one has forgotten what homework they're supposed to do or messages come through that never make their way home from the school mm. and things like that it is really handy but it's also that of the constant being aware of this constant notification and and perhaps sometimes I actually saw the comedian Emma Doran do this and she she nailed it when she said it you know somebody says thank you in the group and then 30 thank you follow <laughs> and going, please do it privately <laughs> and Jen do, do you think that we really need them I mean how did people cope before they had WhatsApp groups how did they find out what you know if there was a no uniform day or if they mm-hmm. needed to raise money for something they didn't and I think that's just it this is perhaps perhaps the consequence or an indication of how much we are over-parenting. You know, before, mm. if our kids didn't get the message home and they missed out on non-uniform day, then they went in in their uniform and they won't forget the next time to tell us. <laughs> you know, and there, there were some kind of life lessons learned along the way. And there were, there were homework journals, obviously. And perhaps this year is maybe a little bit different because I know a lot of schools are operating without the homework journals. But usually there were notes sent home. You got your one reminder and that was it. For parent and child, you got your one reminder. And if you forgot it, that's life that was part of it it wasn't the end of the world the sky didn't fall in but now we're nearly afraid to live without them even though they're that source of huge stress and it's the mums of course who are feeling it not (laughs) not necessarily through dads at fault though because these groups are typically organised by women and most of the time they'll just involve other women you know even if the dad's details are given they're usually just had mum. I know because I was just going to ask you that. Like, I mean, I have my um, parents' WhatsApp group now for the last two years, and there are no dads in that. And my husband wanted to know at the very start why he wasn't included in it. But then I think he was grateful that he wasn't after a while. <laughs> and I was talking to another friend of mine the other day, and he was saying that he is in their parents' WhatsApp group, and I think there are four dads in it. But he said they don't really contribute very much, That's other true. than the odd thumbs up. <laughs> that, that is probably very reflective of the level. The participation I see too. I mean, I'm I'm wagon. I there was no way I was letting them self away with not being in those groups if I could help it. So there were one or two that the admin was left open. So I added them in. I had given his details and I added them in. I thought if I'm going to be subjected to 102 notifications in the hour, so are you. 
he doesn't really, though, participate in it, I'll have to say. Even yeah. though he's a hands-on dad, he doesn't feel the need to join in the WhatsApp pressure. And uh, <laughs> he won't stress over it the way I will. Like, at the moment, we're coming towards the end of the school year, mm. so all the collections are happening for the teachers. And there's details of who's collecting in different groups and how much and what way we're to pay, whether it's PayPal or Revolut or whatever. Yeah. And it's like... Over, it's like information overload because I, I just I, oh, I just can't remember it all and it is yeah. all there to scroll back through but again there's the 30, 30 notifications thanking the very kind person who or, who organised it but it's literally message after message after message and I do think it's very hard not to be in them though at the same mm. time because we have now got a situation where parents presume that the entire class has a parent in the group and so information is shared that way whether it's things like organising meetups when we were allowed um, or getting to know other people or mm. sometimes even if it was a whole class party for example that might be organised through the WhatsApp group so it isn't always as easily as easy to step away as you might think. I know, and even there, as you were mentioning about the collections for the end of year and, Mm -hmm. you know, giving a present to the teacher and some people do it again at Christmas time as well. Mm -hmm. And Like, I'm one of those parents, because I'm working, I'm not really at the school gate very often, so I don't know a lot of the parents only through the WhatsApp group. And, like, I was getting really freaked out at Christmas time because I knew that not every single parent was there, but I didn't know how to invite them or maybe they didn't Mm -hmm. want to be in it. And then you kind of think, are those kids missing out? But, um, you know, I think that WhatsApp group, as you said, it's nearly a source of comfort to know that it's there and that you're not missing out on, on what's going on. Mm-hmm. It is, absolutely. I mean, you know that, I mean, I heard it's sports day this week in my kids' school. Now, it hadn't come home that there was supposed to be in different colour t-shirts from one of them, and, and it was posted in the group, and mm. then panic followed with me and a couple of other moms going, oh my God, we hear nothing, we hear nothing. <laughs> and so there was that, you know, there there is that comfort that you get from it as well. There is mm. absolutely that comfort, as well as the sense of overwhelm. And there is, if you're not at the school gate, you, you can feel a little bit of a disconnect with what's going on, mm. especially if there are a number of parents there and you don't know what's going on. So when you see the conversations happening in the group, you can, I suppose, feel some sort of connection to the other fam- the other parents and the other families as well. So it has a lot of positives. I don't want to bash them completely because yeah. they have huge amount of positives too. And it is that way of staying in touch and hearing what's going on and even sometimes hearing about different dynamics that are happening just through normal conversations. But... Um, I, I would love to see the dads get involved a little mm. bit more. I think it would help with that kind of easing of the mental load because, you know, it's well documented how mothers in particular carry such a heavy mental load throughout kind of parenting and trying to juggle it all and trying to to remember. You know, like dads can be, I'm going to do a total sweeping generalisation here, apologies, but dads <laughs> generally are, might be wonderful for taking Johnny to the dentist. Will yeah. he know Johnny was due to go to the dentist? Probably not. He'll know, or will he know he's in tracksuit tomorrow and he needs mm. to have his runners rather than his school shoes? There's an excellent chance only if if Johnny's mum tells him. And, and that's certainly the same thing that's happening with the WhatsApp group. Dads are perhaps stepping back a little bit and mm. leaving mum to run to run with their responsibilities um, even the most hands-on dads I think maybe yeah. they're just better at managing to to compartmentalise perhaps that's what it is And do you think that there's a, a like you mentioned something there at the very start of our chat about uh, over-parenting and mm-hmm. you know like when we were in school like if we missed out on the no uniform day and we wore our uniform in that was our own tough look do you know yeah. like as you said you wouldn't do it again but like is there a thing in us now where we don't want our child to be different and we don't want them to stand up out in case they're picked on 
Uh, well, there is that, but there's also I think we feel it's a reflection on us. Mm. Did we? I think there's. I think it's possibly goes back to that nearly as much that whole thing of I want to appear as if I have it all under control and if he was due to be in a yellow t-shirt today he should be in that yellow t-shirt because I have it under control maybe there's an element of that as well as the not, nobody in fairness wants their, their little one to stand out or to miss out mm. ideally you don't even if it is a lesson learned you don't want it so so there is there is I suppose that's possibly one of the reasons it um it they're, they're so important but I think one of the other notable things is the homework the homework you know if yeah. your little fella or your little one forgets to bring home their maths book again in the olden days they would have had to go in without their maths homework done deal with the consequences perhaps <laughs> for forgetting to bring home the maths but have to deal with it and it was part of life and part of the learning experience now Johnny's mum is likely or Mary's mum is likely to say mm. any chance somebody can share page 10 of maths to your maths and I found that actually particularly during the lockdown when we were doing mm. the homeschooling and it was like, oh my God, how do you do this? Does anybody know how to do this? <laughs> it's a shift. Maybe our village is just our WhatsApp village. Maybe that's what it is. We've moved, you know, <laughs> we're moving with the times and we've a WhatsApp village now perhaps instead. And I know that's great. It is great to be able to turn around and ask these things or even take comfort in the fact that none of us quite understand this new way they mm. do log division or addition. Even tens of units, they do it differently to the way you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there is kind of comfort in that too but there is that little bit of us that is perhaps picking up for our kids a bit too much and mm. not let, not encouraging them to be independent and work things out for themselves and deal with the consequences of, of messing up sometimes I know yeah maybe that's the attitude that the dads have as well then maybe they're just like yeah. well sure look at you know what if they miss out well then that's their own that's their own business well, you know when you think about it we're complaining about men not being in the groups enough mm. and at the same time they're not stressing about it so maybe it's <laughs> they you have it right and we have it wrong that's <laughs> no. it that's it they're like because my husband would be like are you still on your phone like what all oh, the parents whatsapp group and just uh, messaging something here about something do you know <laughs> like the and, and I think it's just that knowing those notifications that are hearing it coming and you're going, what if I missed something important? What if I missed mm. something important? Well, look, you'd have missed it if it was the days before WhatsApp. You'd have missed it. You wouldn't even know about it. By the time you found out about it, it'd be over. So it'd be grand. Yeah. Now it's nearly, we're all too accessible, perhaps. Just what you were saying there, Jen, as well, about the, the collection for the teacher at mm. the end of the year. Like, what's a kind of an acceptable amount to put in? <laughs> I mean, I have some kind of, I have some very strong feelings on this. I do feel, and I know from speaking to parents numerous times over the course of um, the last few years, because this mm. collections have really become a big thing. I think the, that these collections, while they're a wonderful idea, can be huge pressure for parents, particularly mm. when an amount is specified. And sometimes an amount specified, like it's not unusual. I've had one parent tell me that 20 euro was specified in their group oh. per child. Now, if you've got a couple of kids, you'll really feel that. Yeah. I have four children in primary school. There are different collection amounts going on at the moment. And, they're, and they'll range from maybe a five or to 15 euro. It's a lot when you have multiple children. It and is, it's a yeah. lot of pressure as well. Like you really, you know, you... The thing is, most parents want to send or want to acknowledge what a fabulous job their teachers have done and how grateful they are for all their work and mm. for, you know, the support that they've given their children over over the year, a number of years. So it's not about that. It's not about wanting to acknowledge the work. It's just sometimes 
it's a real pressure. Like you do feel a pressure to be involved. And actually, last Christmas, somebody brought to my attention. Now, I mean, this is awful to think this happens, but several parents then followed up uh, a message that I put out to say, yes, it did happen. That if children didn't donate to the collection, then that card went into the teacher with the child's name missing. Oh, that's not fair. So it yeah. is a huge pressure. And I, that's totally, totally wrong that yeah. anybody would do that. But apparently it happens. It happens across the board. And one parent who was the organiser of the collection actually contacted me and said, yeah, we do do that. That, has, that was kind of a request in the class that that would be done. Otherwise, you've got other people just not bothering. That's just a bit much now, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> All right, yeah. Mr. Jen, listen, thanks so much for having that chat with me this morning here in the Opinion Line on 96FM. Love that now. Coming up after the commercials, we will be talking about Stephen Kearns. He's a Cork professional uh, boxer and he's starting his professional debut. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. You guys ready? Watch out, watch Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Make sure to join me weekdays for four hours of the best music mix. I've got the biggest prizes up for grabs. You pick the playlist on the takeover and there's always a celebrity or two revealing the unexpected. Every summer I'd be going to the bog and doing turf. I can confirm a tea break at the bog is the best. I'll talk to you weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Ford Lease to find out more. The Big Drive Home. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now this weekend, a Cork boxer will make his professional boxing debut in Villarreal in Spain. Stephen Cairns competed for Legacy Boxing Club before going professional. And Joe Seward, who's a sports journalist, joins me now to talk about Stephen Cairns. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Fiona. Joe, uh, for those who are not familiar with Stephen Cairns, can you give us a bit of a brief history of his boxing journey? Yeah, well, Stephen is a young man from Cork, um, 18, um, fought with the uh, Legacy Boxing Club out in the airport road, and um, he's had a, an incredible career as an amateur. He's won seven um, national titles as an amateur. He's won six monster titles. He's also uh, been a silver medalist in, in, in Europe, and he's won a couple of international um, uh, boxing medals as well so he's got a glittering um, a pedigree um, in, in the amateur ranks and normally he's a guy that we'd be earmarking maybe for Olympics and the high performance unit in Irish boxing would be keen to have him in their ranks but he made the decision at the start of the year um, to turn professional given there is no amateur boxing at the moment mm. and um, he's been snapped up um, by Dave Caldwell in the, in, in the UK who'd be a very well known uh, um, guy, uh, he was a former coach to Tony Bellew and he's got um, Belfast Paul McCullough uh, Jr. on his ranks as well so he's uh, certainly in uh, in the right camp to kind of launch his career and to that extent um, this weekend this is going to be a starting point. And is it unusual Joe for someone so young to go pro? Yeah as I say it's been a strange year Um Normally, as I say, you know, the Olympics and um, those kind of targets, European championships, amateur European championships, they would all beckon. Mm. But obviously the lure of professional boxing, you know, is strong as well. He, Cork actually has 
six professional boxers at the moment. And last weekend, of course, Gary Spike O'Sullivan had a, a, another big win. Um, so kudos to him uh, in Belgium. And I think sometimes maybe boxing doesn't get the kind of recognition. And maybe Cork boxers don't. Very often if they come from Dublin, they seem to get a, a higher profile maybe mm. on national media. So this this is a big this is a big bill. It's in Villarreal. Uh, Villarreal, of course, um, the, the club who beat Manchester United last week in the Europa League. So it's, it's a big venue. It's a big fight, and it's going to be streamed live as well. And his preparation, I think, has gone very well. He's been training in Lanzarote, um, and his father's going to be in his corner tomorrow night. His father is Brilliant. Lee, and uh, Jonathan O'Brien, who's his trainer, will also be in the corner. So um, that's going to be a, I'm sure, a very proud night for his dad and. Um, uh, hopes are high that he's going to win. He's taking on um, who would be described as a, a journeyman from Spain, um, Jesus Ruiz, and uh, he's 32. Now, he's he'd be a, a durable opponent, but he's probably the ideal guy to start your career against. Mm. He's hasn't a great track record in terms of wins. Um, most recently, he fought a very high-profile up-and-coming boxer as well, um, Campbell Hatton, who'd be the son of Ricky Hatton, who is probably one of the top English boxers in 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 recent years? And mm. um, Campbell Hatton beat Jesus Ruiz, who will be taking on Stephen tomorrow night. So Stephen will go in as favourite um, to tomorrow night's fight. Fantastic. So, and you mentioned there that his dad is going to be with him. So it'll be a very proud moment for his dad just to even see him in the boxing ring against Jesus Ruiz. Yeah, and um, Jonathan O'Brien as well, who's been with him. Um, through his career and as I said this is an exciting night for him he hopes to get in six professional fights by the end of the year he's also hoping to get an English licence because really to get notoriety first you need to kind of launch your career in the UK then you know maybe the greener pastures ultimately would be America Mm. Um, and that would be the dream and that's where Spike Gary Spike O'Sullivan has been fighting quite a bit in the last couple of years so um, Villarreal tomorrow night as I say is going to be the launching pad hopefully he'll win as I say he would go in as a strong favourite but you can the only certainty in boxing is the uncertainty but um, I'd be pretty confident that he's a young man with a great pedigree and you know we've seen people transition from amateur to professional boxing notably Katie Taylor um, with great success so Maybe that's been an inspiration to him as well. And, um, you know, it was either go down the route of ending up in an, in an Olympics or maybe the lucrative riches of professional boxing. But it's, 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 a, it's a, tough, a tough career. Not everybody makes it in professional boxing. But, you know, given his, his, his CV from the amateur days, I'd be pretty optimistic that he's a young man going places. And um, I've no doubt, Joe, that you'll be watching the match. Or can we watch the match? Is there any way we can see it? Yeah, it's been streamed on Proxima. Um, um, uh, so anybody looking to get it Proxima check out Proxima uh, they are streaming the fight tomorrow night and it's a, it's, it, it's, a, it's part of a very big bill there as well in, in Villarreal tomorrow evening so, and of course um, it's a fight not a match as I incorrectly said there <laughs> yeah but you know when the promoters line up these fights in the old days they were called matches so okay. te- technically you're correct um, <laughs> in, in the old days going back to olden times when, when they would when boxing promoters would arrange a fight between two guys, they, they described it as a boxing match. <laughs> Fantastic. And, um, so technically you're right. <laughs> the research team is telling me here I'm so retro. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Joe, listen, thanks so much for coming on the show with us this morning and t- t- telling us about Stephen Cairns and best of luck to Stephen's. I'm sure Cork is well behind you. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on today's Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been running a feature called Cork versus COVID, which examines the challenges faced by many sectors due to the pandemic and how people are overcoming those challenges. And this week, with the reopening of hotels, I've been speaking to some hoteliers in Cork about getting back to business and prospects for the future ahead. I do my dress up and get out, you know. My daughter came in this morning with my makeup. <laughs> Mary, she came in from Nopra, so it was great. We didn't have excitement like that. From, no. Oh, no. no I, I'd, I'd be in bed for the day. <laughs> oh, definitely. Looking forward to my steak tonight, no? Roy and Lily O'Sullivan were the first guests to check into the Clayton Hotel in Cork City on Wednesday. Hotels across the city and county were delighted to be welcoming guests once again. Really excited to get these guys in to celebrate big occasions with us. It's why we're all in the industry. It's to, you know, celebrate with these people, look after people, show them a nice time, you know, and it's, it's to create that, that you know, sense of escape for these guys. You know, you've been in, you've either been cocooning or, you know, you've been isolating. So now we can get out and enjoy it a little bit, albeit perimeters are still in place, but thankfully we're allowed to look after our guests. We can obviously, you know, serve them with their, their food and beverage while they're staying in the hotel. So it's great. Conor O'Toole is general manager of the Clayton, and while hotel we're celebrating this week, the reopening is not without its challenges. The biggest challenge for us in town I suppose is, uh, you know, attracting staff, really. I think a lot of people have, have left the industry uh, and I know from colleagues that closer hotels are finding it very difficult to get their teams back. People have gone, one of the, I suppose our strategy was to stay open so we held on to a lot of our senior team and, and core players in that. So we've, we've less of a, a struggle in that. But certainly from talking to people around town it's, it's attracting staff back in. Chairman of the Irish Hotels Federation and general manager of the Kingsley Hotel Fergal Hart says the lack of international visitors is impacting on city centre hotels in particular I think ourselves and, and other city hotels you know would always have struggled a little bit during the summer and, and that's going to be the case again uh, due to Covid but I think um, that will level itself out over the next kind of 12 months so we would hope that once air travel uh, resumes in, in, in July that we'll start to see international travel coming back towards the end of this year um, and then obviously that we'll see more kind of corporate travel as well uh, into next year. Sales and marketing manager of the Kingsley Hotel and its sister hotel, Fota Island Resort, Fanola Toomey, says there is a difference in the bookings between the city and county hotels. I suppose in the last two months, the bedrooms in Fota Island Resort, um, the pickup was was really there for, for Fota. And now in the last month, I suppose we can see that in the Kingsley. So the pattern would have been always um, looking at Fota and the Kingsley, that Kingsley would have been the shorter leading time. Um, so actually now looking at the business on the books for the Kingsley, um, there's a very promising summer ahead. She says the strong domestic market will hopefully make up for the lack of international visitors. For Foot Island Resort, uh, the staycations are strong enough to carry them through the summer. Um, for the Kingsley, um, we can certainly see um, a different mix of business as this would be, I suppose, more of a corporate property. 
and with international travel throughout the summer um, but we've certainly replaced a lot of that with domestic. Michael Magner of the Vienna Woods says that there's some positivity for weddings. Our phones are busy and inquiries are healthy uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, for June weddings are 25 guests July 5th we're expecting 50 and then from the most recent announcements last weekend uh, government had revised from August to 100 um, and that's welcome I suppose the fortunate position now of 25 or more guests as we move forward into the summer it's welcome and um, it's a glimpse of hopefully what uh, we will be returning to normality in the future. But he says the sector has been hit hard and is missing out on the overseas visitors. He says the government's supports are badly needed. We do know that the government though in their economic stimulus plan for recovery from COVID that they have announced further supports and those supports are welcomed uh, and they're appreciated Um, but those supports need to stay in place for as long as restrictions are in place because um, the industry has been battered, not just hotels, but anybody, you know, having a hospitality business or a business that's connected to the hospitality sector. And best of luck to all the hotels this weekend. And of course, on Monday, the bars and restaurants will be able to open for outdoor dining. And uh, joining me now on the line is Michael O'Donovan from the Cork VFI and the Castle Inn in the city. Good morning, Michael. Morning, Fiona. How are you? Michael, what's the atmosphere like amongst the publicans and restaurateurs in the city centre? I suppose, um, look, they're really looking forward to it. I suppose there's a bit of um, nervousness, but excitement at the same time that uh, we're on the countdown, you know, talking to people all this week. They're counting the sleeps that we have to go. Last night was four more sleeps. <laughs> uh, we had a, a Zoom meeting last night uh, with our own uh, executive here in Cork and like a uh, um, yeah, it's just really looking forward to us really getting back in it. Um, I suppose a small bit of disappointment that we couldn't go today as opposed to Monday. Mm. Um, but look, still very much looking forward to, to getting going next Monday. And I, suppose, I know it's only outdoor dining at the minute or outdoor drinking. So I suppose everyone can really open now at this stage that they can just stick a table outside their premises. Yeah, unfortunately, not not everybody. I I can't go on Monday. I don't okay. have an outdoor facility. But um, but look, there'll be about I think uh, a couple of weeks ago we were estimating somewhere between twenty and thirty percent of our members would have it. A lot of them have been very creative over the last four or five weeks in uh, getting outside areas. And I would say of our members now, it's somewhere upwards of fifty percent of them will be opening on Monday. But a lot will have reduced capacity. You know, it won't be just like opening normal. Um, because of the social distancing requirements um, but like all the bars have gone through now you know um, the return to work protocols and I think having been in a few of them myself over the week uh, just uh, uh, having a chat with them you know they've put in great work into them and I think people should um, should feel really safe in what's coming down the line for Monday um, and you know the guidelines are in place they all have the guidelines so, look, they're just really looking forward now to welcoming customers back Monday morning. And you heard there Michael Magner from the Vienna Woods talking about how important the government supports are because obviously um, businesses in the hospitality sector, hotels, bars, restaurants are not going to be operating at full capacity over the coming months. Would you be calling for the same supports? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, look, I think it was very welcome, the government recovery plan that was announced on Tuesday and it's given us certainty really until the end of September. But I think, you know, it'll take far beyond that for 
our industry to recover, you know, fully. Um, and look, we will need help right up to the end of the year and probably into next year. So look, we, we have certainty to September. We have some other pieces that are in place till the end of the year. So like it's, it's welcome. But as long as we are under restrictions and I suppose even I suppose people's attitudes towards going out, they might be a bit nervous at the start and for a mm. while we will need help, you know, to get back on our feet because, um, look, we've been closed now 15 months. It'll be 16 months for some of us by the time we get to July. It's very hard for businesses that have been closed that long to come back and even survive to come back. So, um, look, that's where the supports will be key to our, our success into the future. And Michael, we've had you on many times over the past four to five months and the message has always been once we reopen, let's stay open. That message can't be underestimated, can it? No, because look, we've gone through uh, closure, uh, you know, some of us two times, some of us three times. And look, the, the I suppose the mental... Uh, fatigue it creates but also the financial burden it creates is just huge and like for for most now that had cash in their business that cash is long gone so you know to go through another closure I think would be would be really difficult and would be I think the final nail in the coffin for a good few people you know we've Mm. been lucky that some supports have come into place since last October but it's only been a lifeline to keep uh, some businesses going if we go to a place again that we will need to close it'll be heartbreaking for a lot I think a lot of my colleagues so hopefully we'll never have to revisit that again And is there a concern amongst publicans um, that they may not be able to get staff because we're hearing from a lot of businesses that staff have been difficult to get because of PUPs or because they've moved away yeah, look, it, it, it has been something that has been, I suppose, challenging for the last two to three weeks, especially for those that are opening now on Monday. Um, and, you know, look, a lot of staff have moved to other um, other areas of work. Um, and as you said, some are, are availing at the PUP. So, look, I suppose uh, some places will have to take a decision to cut days, you know, that will only mm. open certain days. It has been a challenge, but I think, look, in the vast majority, um, people have been striving to work towards getting open on Monday and getting going again. Michael, uh, just walking around the city centre and you can see all of the businesses painting and sprucing up their businesses and, you know, the excitement is palpable in the city centre. I think there's a great atmosphere at the minute and a great sense of positivity. Yeah, look, I think um, since last week, you know, the delivery trucks have been in and out. The servicemen have been calling to premises and, you know, to see the, the food trucks around now this week again delivering to places. As you said, it's great excitement. You know, I think things we took for granted, you know, pre-COVID, you know, the delivery men coming, dropping their stuff going. Now, I see, I've seen it myself uh, during the week, you know, the publicans, the restaurateurs, they're stopping, having a chat with the truck drivers. You know, it's, it's just great to see and the engagement. And look, I think a lot of people mightn't have known the names of the truck drivers. I can assure you this week when they pulled up, there was a big smile on the faces and chatting to them. And it's just so good to see it and, the, you know, to see the positivity coming back to the city. I'd say you can't wait as well to welcome back your own customers. Yeah, look, the 5th of July, look, please God, mm. hopefully we'll get the full go ahead now towards the, the middle to end of June. And, um, and yeah, look, looking forward to it. It won't be long going, hopefully, um, the next couple of weeks and we'll get going all of us then indoors on the 5th of July. Won't that be great? Thanks very much Michael for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning and best of luck to everybody who is reopening on Monday. 
back to the comments. People have been getting in touch with us here on the show and um, on the potential amalgamation of St. Vincent's School uh, with other schools in the area. A listener has said um, she has a very different view to Maraid and the other parents. I hope it gets changed over to a mixed school. It'll still be a great school. I don't think having a mixed school decreases learning abilities. It is so important to mix with the opposite sex. John O'Donovan has been a touch about toilets at the lock. He said 40 years ago there was a toilet in the lock and now finally after all the shouting and roaring about public toilets and the lock in particular the City Council has announced portaloos for the weekend and still none in the lock. And on my chat about WhatsApp parents groups um, a caller has been in touch with us, a listener has been in touch to says, this is very anti-dad where are the mams in kids sports training WhatsApp groups, where are the mams training the kids, I thought you were cool and all about equality Fiona, well I think I just proved that I'm not cool there with, with my uh, Rihanna song but uh, yeah I get your point and um, we didn't mean to come across as being very anti-dad and I know that uh, my husband who is probably listening to this now and wants to kill me when I get home is very much more involved in that side of things than I would be, so yeah, thanks very much for getting in touch with us about that. Now, um, we are going now to um, another story here. Cork rapper and spoken word artist Raphael Olimpio is working with youngsters at the Cork Migrant Centre in a bid to inspire them through music and education. And he joins me on the line this morning. Good morning, Raphael. Good morning. How are you? I'm very, very well. Um, so just tell us a little bit about the music workshops that, um, that are happening and the, the ones that you're delivering. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, um, so on a weekly basis, I hold workshops uh, every Wednesday. And it's mainly kind of used to get uh, young people to speak out about issues. Um, first, it could be a personal issues, um, injustices that they're facing. Um, so what I do is I work around rhyme schemes. Um, I work around metaphors, um, structure of a song and just kind of get the information out of them through that. Um, and where did you I'll, come up with this idea? Um, it's I'm well, I've been rapping for a decade now, and I guess it's just the tools that I've used in the past ten years, just utilizing them and um, showing the youth how I write, and that that's that's basically it, really. And when you first came to Ireland, you lived in direct provision. So was music an escape for you then when you were in direct provision? Um, and initially, no. Um, my parents were very religious and music was like a no-no, uh, especially circular music. Um, so I didn't get exposed to music until my parents kind of split and the kind of religious aspect wasn't uh, deeply involved in the family dynamics anymore. And mm. then I got exposed to music a lot more and enjoyed it on a personal level. And yeah, I guess I, back then it was kind of hard to see people of color on, on the media. And mm. the only people I guess I would see on on the telly or hair on the radio were people of color, like the rappers or entertainers. So that's what kind of um, intrigued me and got me got me rapping. And many of the kids that you're working with are at the Migrant Centre um, and they live in direct provision. So how important is it for them then to have a positive role model? Um, I think it's, it's very important. Um, it's, it's good to see someone who's older than you, just by, even if it's just by a few years, mm. and seeing them kind of progressing in life and 
despite like the various challenges or difficulties that that person could have, that they're still moving and um, it just gives them hope, I guess. And um, yeah, that they can see that, okay, if Raphael can do it, I can do it too. Or if Sanula or whoever's, whoever the other youth mentors are, they can do it, I can do it too. Or if I need to ask questions about um, getting into college, getting a job or whatever other interests I have that, it's possible. It's very, very possible. So, yeah. And would you see yourself then as a positive role model to those kids? I mean, you've now gone from direct provision to studying at UCC. Yeah, uh, I, I try my best to be. Um, at the end of the day, I am human and I do make mistakes, but I do try my best to be uh, a good citizen, a good role model. Um, I do try my best to influence them in the right ways and support them in any way possible so yeah and what are you studying uh i'm studying occupational therapy fantastic and and what are you hoping to do then after that uh i'd love to work as an occupational therapist within the community so Mm. that's that's the plan and the the music then and the musical workshops that you're doing like are you hoping to to bring that on in your life then as well and continue doing things like that yeah, 100%. Music is has been an anchor in my life in everything I do. Um, it's helped me uh, with a lot of mental kind of mental health, mm. with my mental health. So it'll, it'll always be something there in my life. I'll never stop that. And when you're when the the kids who are doing the music workshops, like what you were you were saying there earlier about getting them to talk about things that are going on in their life, and is that talking through the music? Is that the kind of idea of it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, expressing themselves through the music. Um, sometimes it's hard to express yourself just by saying things or having a conversation. And it may be easier to just express it through the music, through spoken word, through poetry. Um, so that's the, that's the idea of it all. Fantastic. And how long have you been doing it? Um, so we started last year with mm. the Cork Migrant Centre uh, and Nanonagel Place. So, yeah, it just started last year. And I'd say you're seeing some lovely positive results from that, are you? Yeah, yeah, the outcomes are amazing. We have a lot of songs coming out this summer, a lot of spoken word and a lot of various other projects. Um, so if people want to follow the Cork Migrant Centre or Nano Legal Place, they'll, they'll be able to see it all. Brilliant. Raphael, listen, best of luck with everything and thanks so much for talking to us on the Opinion Line this morning. That's it. The show was edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry with Wayne Hilton here, giving me loads of musical tips (laughs) on the desk. Have a fabulous weekend, everybody. Hope the sun comes out for most of it. Thanks for listening to today's show. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.